Hey guys, folks. I always say hey guys, but that's Oh, gender. don't even go there. <laughs> Good lord. Hello people. Um Hi y'all. Hi y'all. It's uh, welcome back Friday live. We are going to wrap up Romans chapter 16 today and finish it out and have some interesting discussions. So hang around. Don't run off. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um before we jump in and finish Romans, we were just sitting here talking. If you've got a passage of scripture or a topic or something you'd like to hear us ramble on endlessly about, then uh, put it in the comments. Send us an email. Uh, Sean will put our email address up on there. It's info at thecrucibusfire.org. Send that to us. We'd be glad to jump into quasi-controversial topics. We don't mind. And uh, we'll we'll tell you what we think, and then you can go out and make an informed decision about how to do probably something different. <laughs> but... Uh, no, in all in all seriousness, if you've got something you wanna you wanna talk about, and even if we had to do like a, I had this, uh, I didn't say anything to you about this, but we can do online. If somebody wants to jump on and talk about something, we can bring you into the studio. We can bring you in online through Zoom or something like that, and we can we can talk about it. Yeah, and, uh, that'd be we, cool. We'd like to do that if you're willing. Um, if you're out there watching and listening, we had some technical difficulties, so maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I'm out there. Be sure to give us a like and a comment let us know you're out there watching i know it's good friday for some of you that's a day off work and you're out doing things with family um and we're here not talking about easter and you know when i was uh, pastoring i even on some days like this you always i would always kind of do things on big days like this that are our holidays but like i didn't I never did like to stick with the calendar holidays. We were we were on a we were on a path. We went on a path, and we just stayed on it. But uh, so that's what we're doing. Romans chapter sixteen. We're gonna end this thing up. It's a there are a couple of really interesting things in it. Um, we were talking beforehand, and I was like, oh man, most of this chapter is just him saying hi to people, and I was like, I wasn't sure how we were gonna gonna really turn that into riveting prose and conversation. But uh, there's actually some really interesting stuff to pull out <laughs> as we wrap up. But by way of review, don't forget that Romans is, is kind of the, the way that it's laid out is he kind of tells you, okay, here's what it means to be saved. Here's what it means, you know, you're lost and God's got to save you and God's sovereignty, blah, blah, blah. And then he kicks in, what was it, in chapter 10, 11-ish? Yeah, it's a little after chapter 10. Um, he kicks into this mode of, okay, but here's what it looks like to, to walk in the kingdom and here's what it looks like to live this out. And we've just been continually pushing back saying it's not a checklist. It's not a, oh, I didn't do this part just right. It's more of a I don't want to use the word framework because it's more specific than that. What's yeah. the word I'm looking for there? It's a, it's not even a suggestion. It's just a. Well, it's not a rule of anything. It's right. You, you have to take it from the perspective that uh, if you've been in church at all or any kind of Christian life, and you hear the the you hear the name Paul, you just automatically elevate that guy to some superstar status of acceptance in right. in God. Yeah. But you can't look at it that way. You got to look at a guy that's being transformed, just like we are yeah. every day. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. And so, when this guy's given what he's talking about, and he sees things from, I'll say, from God's perspective, uh, that most of us are still just trying to grab a hold of. Right. But he's convinced that we can see it, 
right. least at some point. And so every reference he gives, it's not about A or B. He's looking depth way down in there and just kind of giving us a piece of something, hoping that sooner or later we'll be able to see a bigger function of ourselves inside the kingdom. Well, it's interesting you should say that too, because when you read Romans, everybody kind of has this idea, oh, Romans is so theologically dense, you know, you got to really put yeah. your chops on. And there's some truth to that. But Paul never talked to the people, even in any of his letters, he never really talks to them like the, he was talking down to them. He had this expectation that either they already should have known what he was telling them and he was just kind of redirecting, or like you said, they've got the capacity to understand these deep theological things. And somewhere we kind of lost that along the way. We wanted to water down you know, our theology and the way we believe and teach to make it you know, palpable to people and where, oh, we got to, even with our kids and stuff, you yeah. know, um, we, we water it down and it makes it more difficult. Paul just doesn't do that. He just kind of has jumped into the deep end with this expectation that you can understand this and then you can teach it to others. And we seem to push things. We're always talking about the academics, the academics, the academics, because they are important. But he's not telling you you have to be an academic giant right. to see the kingdom. It's more like this perseverance with whatever it is God's given you, and you can see it as clearly as he sees it. Right. And so, but his place was to bring it to the people in that manner as well. Uh, and when he says that I, you know, I did this with not in greatness of speech or any of that kind of stuff, I don't really know what he means by that, unless he stumbled on his words like Moses did, or mm -hmm. maybe he was ugly. I mean, who knows? But... <laughs> you know, hard to look at while he's talking, but it was powerful. And he, he feels like everybody else, it, well, he understands the kingdom and he knows that that is right there at your threshold. Right. God can use me. He can use anybody. It's kind of the feel you get from him. Yeah. And it's not a platitude with him. No. It's and, serious business. Well, and that, that really lies in contrast to what you were saying a while ago of what people seem to think about Paul. Yes. Which is, and, and there's good reason for that. Yes, Because he is. was the up-and-comer in the Jewish community. I mean, he yeah. was the Gamaliel trained. He, I mean, he was the guy. He was the Jewish, uh, uh, <laughs> I just Well, he was a rock star. Yeah, what did I, uh, Billy Graham's. I, <laughs> if he were alive, I would apologize on air for forgetting who he was. But yeah, he was like the Jewish Billy Graham of the day. He was the the young one. I mean, you know, Kurt, yeah. think of it in terms of that kind of notoriety. Everybody knew who he was, and he was trained under Gamaliel. He had respect. He was the zealot, they called him. So he had these credentials in that community, but he had the personality to go with it, and yet he calls himself, I'm the least and the this and the that. Well... And that's how everybody sees. I have to be like Paul to be right, right with God. No, you, it, right. It's probably closer. We're probably closer aligned to John the Baptist than. Well, he was probably well educated too, but yeah, <laughs> in in likeness terms. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about a little bit about that. But one of the things I wanted to bring up is one of my greatest mentors in ministry is a guy named Ben Butler. He started Way of the Cross Ministries. Uh, I know y'all don't know who that is, and don't worry about it. Uh, but he is a guy who's done great things because the Lord laid this vision out in front of him, and he's still doing it, you know. And a lot of people think he's 
crazier than an outhouse rat, and they just don't understand everything about him or why he does what he does, and yada. He's not. He's not weird, uh, but it is different. And so, the reason I bring him up is because, and you're talking about Romans having, you know, it seems to have a lot of theological things in it, and super educated and edicts and that kind of stuff. <laughs> he told me one day because I told him we were doing this, and he said, he just. He's kind of one of those guys that things just come out, you know. And he said, Romans is probably one of my least favorite books in the Bible. Really? That's how he said it in that tone. <laughs> and, you know, this is one of my spiritual big mentor giants. And I looked at that, and I didn't know how to take it. You know? did, he, like, did he qualify why? Like, what is that? No, he didn't. But I didn't. He would have <laughs> if I'd have asked him. Uh, I don't know. We were in the flow of doing something. And uh, uh, But my guess is, knowing him, now, he's a theologian in his own right. You know, he's not formally educated, but well-studied. Uh, but my guess is, is because of that. Uh, if I could explain more about his background, it'd make more sense. But he reads those theological functions, and he feels inadequate. Because this is a guy who has led or been responsible. Well, this is even a bad way to say it. The Lord has used him been instrumental. instrumental in leading Tens, tens of, of thousands, thousands of people to the Lord in salvation. Yeah. And, uh, but he is, because of his background, he's not educated and all that kind of stuff. He, he has some insecurities there. And my guess is, is he, he sees that and he knows he should be up to speed on it, at least the way Paul would present it or be, and he's not. Well, he doesn't at least feel like he, mind. he doesn't right. feel he like he doesn't feel like I know he Ben, is. and I can tell you right yes. now, he is up on it. Oh, he absolutely. May not, but he, he may is. not feel like it because of a preconceived idea. So, knowing him, that statement probably came out because he just, you know, it was just like that's a little too yeah specific for me, and I can't follow that. And he, he does. does. Well, uh, and, but that's a good that's a good kind of segue though into it as well because a lot of people think that way about the Book of Revelation or some of the Old Testament stuff. Is yeah. oh I, I just can't get my head wrapped around it or whatever. And one of the things that Romans really pushes us, pushes me, and I know we talked about this on here a lot, is to tell people just to drive into those things that you think you can't get to. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of the whole way God apparently grows us as He pushes us into places that we aren't quote unquote aren't prepared for. We're more prepared than we think, but we don't think we are. And uh, he takes us into those places where all we have to do, and we say this all the time, is to stare into his face, lay it out before him, and that's where we learn about who he is. Romans is the same. And as we, as we pull it kind of to, a do, to an end, I, I, I was talking about with Tim earlier, I was like, you know, I always like to have something meaty to talk about on the podcast, you know, and, and I'm looking here and it's like all this greet this and greet this person. Tim brings out this great point that, but a lot of these people that he's saying greet these people and say hello to them and be nice to them are people that he this is like this is like the list of the people he would have been persecuting not too terribly long ago yeah and that speaks a lot and he sees them as more than himself yeah well we're going <laughs> to yeah we'll show that in a second but before we jump into that part it's there was there's two ways you can look at scripture and finding out how do I do things? How do I not do things? What do I learn? What truths are in there? And there's several ways you can look at it. Some of it's explicit. God says, do this or don't do that. Um, or feel this way, be this way, believe this thing or don't believe this thing. So those are the nice, easy parts. 
but a lot of times you can get truth out of the scriptures as well just by I call it reading between the lines or finding things and truths in there that are just written as if they were just fact or assumptions or whatever but for us we have to stop sometimes and go wait a second what did he just say it's like second chronicles 16:9 that's mm-hmm. one of our favorite verses that we like to talk about where the context of the passage is is, is kind of rough. I mean, we're talking about the judgment that's about to come on, and he's going to be doing some stuff. But in that verse, he says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout all the earth and looking for people whose hearts are perfect towards the Lord so he can give them strong support. But even within the verse itself, there's some other things that that talk about more of the context. But out of that, you can pluck this truth. And this truth is, wait a second, the eyes of the Lord are doing What? And it really doesn't have anything to do with the context. I mean, it does have to do with the context, but Tim calls it an eternal verse. Mm. It's just something that tells us something about God and what He's doing and how He lives and how He is. And we can take that truth, and you don't take it out of context. It's in addition to the context. It's a deeper meaning. That happens in Romans 16, these first couple of verses. Yeah, I didn't look at it like that. He's just saying hello to some people, okay? He says, I commend you. Or come into you, our sister Phoebe. He's he's fixing to go in about eleven verses or so on this, just this litany, this list of hey, greet these people. Here's some good people. We're wrapping it up. It's a salutation, not as well. I guess a salutation is an opening, whatever the equivalent of the closing is. And he says, I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, etc. I'm going to say this wrong. Centrea. But if you got an older uh, version, you can go dig it up. But if you look up that word servant, and I wanted to just touch on this, it's the, it's, it's the word diakonos. It's in verse two. No. No, sorry. it's in verse sorry. one. It's in verse else. one. No, nope, you're right. Go. And so there's this big discussion about role of women in the church and blah, blah, blah. Everybody goes to the Timothy passages. Everybody goes to Titus, you know, husband of one wife, blah, blah, blah. Women are excluded, whatever. But this lady, Phoebe, is a servant. And him just saying, hey, I commend this lady to you, he calls her something. He calls her a deaconess. And in some translations, it actually is translated as a deaconess. Well, the actual Greek word... Is diakonos, and that's the exact same word that they're using when they're talking about deacons as the office. That's exactly my point. And yeah. so it's easy to kind of run through this and go, oh, he's just saying hi, and Phoebe's an awesome person. So what what, what truth am I talking about that we can pluck out of there? Is it that she was performing a function Yeah. that historically, even in Baptist thought, a lot of times people freak out about having women serving in those positions because of the usurpation of authority, da-da-da-da-da. You just got to wrestle with the text. And if that freaks you out because there's this lady in this role, I'm sorry, but you have to wrestle with it. Well, Fall where people, you may. But. Some people might be able to, or would argue the fact that, well, he's not really talking about that she was holding the office. office right. uh, she was performing those things and used that word. And I don't know about that because, I mean, he's, and I'm not even arguing the fact that she was holding the deacon office. Looking at this from a kingdom perspective, She's doing the office, whether she's been formally put in that place or not. And that's how God's looking at it. Exactly. She's, and, and not only is she doing the work, but she's carrying some of the authority. Look at verse 2. So you should welcome her in the Lord 
in a manner worthy of the saints. And yeah. then it says to assist her in whatever matter she may require of your help. He's not speaking of her of take her under your wing and you Mental let her, her help you. He's saying, no, you, whatever she tells you to do, you do it. He's speaking of her as if she's going to be directing traffic, as it were. She's performing the servant function to the saints. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. He's building her up. He, well, she's doing well, the work. Let's talk about that word benefactor. I went back and looked that up. And my the New American Standard calls it helper, and it says helper and several others. And that meaning's pretty close. But I think that word benefactor, that's not, that's not the uh, Greek word. Benefactor is a Latin word. Yeah. But I think they specifically, the CSB puts that in there. Is that what yours mm -hmm. is? Yeah. yeah. So I caught that the CSB puts that in there, and so I started trying to figure that out. So benefactor means something. Uh, Benny in Latin means help. Yeah. Like you're helping something. And the word factory that we have, factories make things. Factor in Latin means making. Mm -hmm. And so that's a specific term, I think, that goes right with the, with the meaning of the Greek that was put in there. So that was a good word that CSB right. put in there for that. Because that denotes something a lot better than just the word helper that we would right. just mow right over and think, huh. Yeah, she was a secretary or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, benefactors are people in business, at least in our walk, or people that like believe in something that's happening and they come in and they dole down big chunks of money in it or right. big chunks of time or huge amounts of resources that they have access to. They're making stuff happen. Yes. That's what they're saying she's yeah. doing here. Well, and he's saying she's been a benefactor. She's been somebody who's made some things happen and a great help to people. And the, the, yeah. con the connotation and the context is that she's helped to raise up people. In the kingdom. In the kingdom, yeah. right. And he said, and of me also. <laughs> here's the apostle paul we just talked about him and all that stuff and he's saying this lady phoebe he's giving her some props i mean he's yeah. not just saying she's an awesome lady he's saying um i have benefited greatly from her ministry and when she walks on the scene and says this is what things need to happen you need to help her and do whatever she requires because yeah. she carries clout with the apostle paul yeah she carries and so I think she helped him and tempered him in his walk. I agree. And what is interesting is we, we want to get into should or shouldn't we have this or this office should ladies carry it. That's not even the conversation yeah. that it's she, because the end of that conversation is, is what role do women really have in the ministry? Can they have leadership roles? I don't even think that's a conversation to be had. It's not. But what we can learn, what, tick off some people. Yeah, and that's <laughs> not, a, not trying to do that. Not trying to tick off people either. But the fact of the matter is, is like there was a significant spiritual kingdom development role that Phoebe played. Yeah. And so we can take from that and go, regardless of how you want to work out the minutia of who gets called what and who does what, you actually can use other scriptures to talk about those things. Yeah. But the idea that that women can't be spiritually impactful to men is, is, is negated by this one little passage because Paul said she has been a benefactor to me and she tells these, he tells these other people when she gets on the scene, you listen to her. Yeah. She had something to say. Yeah. Now, we could argue what that means is how it plays out in the church and all that all day long. 
but my point is simply this is God doesn't only gift men. <laughs> yeah. You know, to, to do things in the kingdom. In fact, if you look around Jesus himself, he was surrounded by women, great women of faith. His own mother being one of them. It's like she and John were the only ones left when he was crucified, which we right. celebrate today. And so don't minimize what he's saying, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. don't, don't write that off as just, oh, he just, hey, there's a good secretary, church secretary coming your way and you do what she needs. That's not what he's saying. Well, and you have to look at this in a bigger context as well, is that all scripture mm. is good for reproof and teaching and training. And in our world, that's what's going on in this thing. Yeah. So as Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and everybody agrees the fact that God gave him the vision and the understanding and the knowledge of all those, those things, it's the same thing here. So don't take it just in, well, that's just a letter Paul wrote to those people. No, nope. it's probably You got to look at that in a bigger sense because that very action can be seen in the Old and the New Testament and other places. Right. That's another conversation. Uh, but then he jumps in to <clears throat> greet these people. And there's a couple that we want to point out. And you were talking about Priscilla and Aquila in verse 3. Give greetings to them, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. A couple of things in there. We were talking before we got on camera about the relationship. It was, what is it, Acts 18? Is that what we decided? Yeah, I think it was Acts 18. Where Paul meets Priscilla and Aquila, and they're also tent makers. And he stayed with them a while. He didn't have any money. He was broke. And he was having a rough time at that patch. Go back and read that. I mean, he was struggling right then. He was all kind of by himself. David just got through preaching on this really good sermon. And um, they were tent makers, so he stayed and worked with them for a while. I mean, and he got to know them. They were dear, yeah. dear friends to him. But what caught my is he's not talking about co-workers as in tent makers. Yeah. Yes, they were all tent makers and they worked together. But he said, they're my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Some translations, what is the New American Standard? Is it co-labor? What does it use uh, in verse 3? My fellow workers in Christ Jesus. One of the translations uses co-laborer. Hmm. My point is he, he viewed them as equals. He was not lording over them. I am the Apostle Paul, blah, blah, blah. In fact, they had real impact on his spiritual development when he had met and stayed with them, even though he was the Apostle Paul. New Living Translation says co-workers. Okay. But the point is, is they were together. I mean, he was like, these are my peoples. Well, and then he says, who for my life risked their own necks. Right. So whatever that means, <laughs> they, were in, they were in harm's way. They were. For and the ministry. Well, and, and you have to think about as he's traveling through Asia and through Macedonia and all of these places where he's talking about, if you go in Acts and, and do his travels and stuff, there was some sketchy stuff happening. Yeah. And um, when they he says they risked their necks, that literally meant they risked their life for me Yeah. Um, and, and took me in. But it's interesting in verse 4, he says, and not only do I thank, do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile church, all the Gentile <laughs> churches... Oh, Priscilla and Aquila. Right. You tell me how important they are to Paul. Uh, yeah. I, I would even go so far as to say, if you're watching this and us, we're in Gentile churches. Yeah, yeah. And the are. gospel came to the Gentile churches through what he did, and we all owe Priscilla and Aquila. They're going to be in heaven one of these days with us, and we're all, I mean, I, 
everybody talks about what you think heaven's going to be like, but I, I think we're going to get to hear some of these stories. Mm. And we don't really know the details of what that means. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the story about how they risked their life for Paul and what happened. Yeah. You think Lord of the Rings is a good movie? Yeah. And a good no, story. I agree with you. That's going to be awesome. But then he jumps down, greet Mary, who's worked very hard. And then, which one was it where we were talking about? Yeah, verse 7. He says, greet and Andronicus and Junia, which probably pronounced Hunia, uh, my fellow Jews and fellow prisoners, they are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. Simply means that you have to think about, I don't know where all of these people are from, um, but they're, they're Jews, they're fellow Jews, but the apostles knew them. And they knew of them, and which means that they were not just run-of-the-mill folk. Does that make they were varsity? Yeah, I don't know what the word is there, but mine says who are outstanding amongst the apostles. Yeah, that means they didn't just know them. Right, passing by, they they knew who they were in exactly. a big way. Exactly, and and it means that they were doing something. But then he says, and they were also in Christ before me, and that struck me. Yeah. Because what happened to Christians before Paul was converted and was in Christ? He's trying to kill them. Yeah. He so, wasn't trying to. He was, he, he was eating. Yes. Um, and so he's got these people on his list that now they used to be on the I'm going to come get you, put you in prison, kill you list. Now they're on my they're, my, they're my people list. They're my friends list. How odd must it have been for them to have that yeah. sort of a relationship with Paul and the apostles for that matter, knowing that he used to be the guy that was coming after him. Well, and I may be putting more in it than what's there, but I, it looks, I would take it based on my own life and the things that I've learned in my walk is that he kind of looks up to them as mentorish. Oh yeah. I think so too. I think that's the whole point of the praise yeah, I think that's who are in Christ before it. me. Uh, I, I think that's right. And I want to, let me let me do some application on that that I think is important. Everybody needs a mentor. Yeah. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have coffee every Thursday or it's not a functioning mentor relationship. If you want to do that, great. But everybody needs somebody to train them. Even if it's not a they're here, you're here relationship, it's maybe it's peers. Um, but somebody needs it, or everybody needs somebody even the Apostle Paul. And yeah. these people, he came in like a house of fire and became the Apostle. Well, they didn't become the Apostle Paul. They were just people that were mentioned in Paul's letter. But he shows them respect and importance in the kingdom's vision. They're ever bit as important as Paul. Yeah, They don't have their own book of the Bible or books and letters in the Bible. But he might not without them. Yeah. I mean, not that the kingdom will be thwarted, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But, but you can never underestimate the importance of people. It's like, um, have you ever heard of Dawson Trotman? Yes. Dawson Trotman, if you're not sure who that is, he started the Navigators, which is a discipleship organization back in World War II. And he's probably, he's people in discipleship circles will know who Dawson Trotman is. A lot of people in the Christian world don't know who Dawson Trotman is. Yeah. But if you ask them if they've ever heard of Billy Graham, they're like, oh, yeah, Billy Graham's a crusade guy. But what a lot of people don't know is that early on, 
Dawson and the Navigators were responsible for the follow-up and the discipleship after the Billy Graham concerts. Right. But Dawson was a mentor to Billy Graham. Billy Graham. And Billy Graham's the one that we know. He tells a story in his biography that he met when he met Dawson Trotman. Dawson was already kind of had some notoriety. The Navigators had taken off. And Billy Graham was in seminary, and he was young. And they met, and Dawson looks at him, and he says, they said, this is Billy. He's the young. He's going to be the next big thing. He's all on fire, and he was young. And Dawson said, Billy, what did the Lord teach you in your quiet time this morning? And he tells the story that he'd been so busy with school and stuff, and he said, I, I hadn't had time to get into the Word today, so I don't have an answer. <laughs> and Dawson just thumped him pretty good about it and kind of went on his way because he was a real kind of hardcore Navy guy, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And in his, in his story, you know, Billy Graham says, that was the last time I ever had that response to that question. And never again did I not have an answer to that question. Yeah. And when Billy Graham, uh, I don't, no, not when Billy died, when I think, it was, I forget which one died first. I think, no, obviously I know Dawson died first. Billy Graham preached at his funeral. And, uh, you know, they had that kind of relationship. Nobody knows who Dawson is, right? you know, but everybody knows Billy Graham. That's what I think of when I read these. Nobody knows who these people are. They know Paul. That's a good perspective. But Paul's development was because of them. Yes. And so if you're out there and you're like, you know, I, I want to grow in the Lord or whatever, I just, I just don't know what I'm doing. Well, there's somebody around you that does. Well, I'd tell you there's some buddies. Yeah, exactly. There's, I have numerous. Yeah what I would call mentors, but they don't even know it. <laughs> yep. I, I study who they are. I watch their progressions. I see their failings and their the things that made them great and watched how the Lord worked through that in them. And that's extremely impressive on me. Right. Well, my encouragement to you would be if you feel like you're struggling and you just need some help, raise the flag. Somebody will help you. Yeah. Even if it's sending us an email and saying, I need... I need some help. We'll help you get plugged in somewhere. If yeah. you're going to a local church, go to your pastor. If you're not in a local church, start there. Yeah. I mean, you need it. That's why you need need people around you. But I mean, we're we're 30 minutes in. We got we got to get on. But yeah. So he he spends this time just telling everybody, and I don't want to minimize them. You know, this part of it. But he's just like, greet this person, greet that person. And I think one of the big things to take out of that is, is Paul had lots of deep relationships in the kingdom. He wasn't just this rogue guy that traveled all over the world. Because you, you see John the Baptist, you talk about him all going, it seems like he was kind of a loner, which he was. Paul wasn't that way. It kind of feels yeah. that way sometimes, but he wasn't. Um, verse 13, or is it verse, no, 17. 17. He says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them. To me, that's an interesting verse coming right off of how many verses you know 16 verses greet these people these are awesome folks and then the very next thing he says is oh and there's some people you need to stay away from yeah um there are some people and the reason you stay away from because they're creating division uh division's a huge problem and he he doesn't pull any punches there avoid them i had a guy sometimes well, what does that mean what does it mean to avoid them Well, I think Go, it, Tim. I think that kind of depends on uh, you know. Normally, when you think of somebody that causes division, you think of some opinionated 
that blows their thoughts and their opinions out no matter what the setting is or any of right. that. And those people were irritating, but uh, I say that, I do that too. Um, but just to give it some construct there, uh, some, but people that cause division get something in their head about how something is supposed to be. And these can be kingdom people. Don't label them as somebody sent from Satan necessarily. Yeah. So you're talking about personality that gets something ruffled up within themselves relative to theology or church or, you know, whatever right. it is. And they come in and they start trying to move things by going around your back or talking to this or trying to do that. Uh, instead of just coming up and contending with you face to face, almost, and and they get an agenda of sorts. Well, it says in the next verse, you avoid them because they don't serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetite or their own desire. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. The giving up the right to yourself—that's the whole walk with God. Yeah, and everything within you—that's not a one-time thing. You may give it up one time when you get saved and you're ready to turn that over. Now he goes in and starts digging through the individual list, so to speak. Right. And you, you can be walking with the Lord 40 years in a great way, and everybody can acknowledge that, but there's still something in there you're not quite ready to give up. Right. That's what somebody causing division is doing. Yeah. And so uh, how do you ascertain that? Who knows? I mean, Holy but, but I think the Holy Spirit reveals that. It makes you start questioning some things. Uh, and there's ways to contend and deal with that. That's something else that you got to learn how to do, and you can't be afraid to do it. Right. Uh, or you may be the cause of division because you don't want to say anything about something. <laughs> right. Or searching that out. So uh, uh, he says, leave those people alone. It's almost like he's saying, just ignore them. Well, yeah. And, and this, this isn't a call to go get arms and cut people's heads off. He's just like, don't, don't engage, you know, and the, the, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Don't engage. And I, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm going to raise the, the flag that it's really hard for me not to engage. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's a big engager, that's I, for sure. <laughs> we, I, was, I don't even remember who I was talking to the other day about conflict. may have been Tammy. Um, because I know when I was teaching, it's a systemic, rampant yeah. cancer within the education system because people aren't willing to and don't want to have hard face-to-face -face conversations. And it's such contrast between being out in the corporate world with my day job where that's just part of life. Right. You have to talk to customers and clients and vendors and government agents. And you just, if there's a problem, you just have to deal with it. And you, it's not, you used to always say it's nothing personal. It's just business. I mean, and in that vein, I don't have any trouble. As a matter <laughs> of fact, if I was honest, it's probably one of my vices because I enjoy it too much. You know, I mean, just to be real and honest, conflict doesn't bother me, especially if I'm right. And and it's there's a sinful slope that's jumped down there about self-affirmation and all that kind of stuff. But that's part of the reason he says avoid them. Yeah. Because look what they're doing. They're deceiving the hearts of the unsuspecting with flattering words and with smooth talk. Mm. Um, and so... In the church world, it's the same problem. People don't want to have hard conversations because they're afraid people will leave the church. They want to build it. And so what you have, it's like the, the church has become in America a lot of times a big game of survivor. Everybody's building alliances. And when you see that happening, the smooth talk, when he talks about, ah, oh, you some say you're of Paul, some say you're of Apollos. That's what was happening in those instances. Right. I got that. That 
that makes a lot of sense. And he was like, just don't engage in that. Just, just forget yeah. it. Um, God's going to work that junk out. And that's a good reminder to me because I, I want to go bust them in the teeth, you know, spiritually. He'd be like, you're just throwing division in the church. And he's just like, yeah, just avoid them. Know what they're doing yeah, and move on because God can heal his church and take care of it. Now, there is also scriptural backing for if it's if it's getting to a place that's out of hand or whatever. Yeah, you got to deal with it. Yeah, but you do it by Matthew eighteen and you go talk to people. Yeah, you got to deal with that kind of junk. And and the reason that that kind of stuff is even allowed to happen is because we have cultures that we've developed where nobody wants to have hard talks. You're not preaching, are you? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Sorry, got a little fired up about that one. No. But. Have the hard conversation. Yeah. Build yeah. a culture. Well, especially in the church body. That's important. You brought up school. I think part of the reason that the school is really like that nowadays, uh, there was a time when it wasn't like that, not as much. I mean, people are the same all the time. But in the school, they deal with what would be considered the moral absolutes are getting all watered down. Truth. So yeah. we would call it political correctness, and so nobody knows really where to stand or what to say or how to guard it or how to deal with it because you're going to get your legs knocked out from underneath you from something that you may not even be grasping. And so they're just trying to survive. Survive. That, that's, that's a true picture of just trying to survive. And uh, you see this big, healthy demon up there that's just <laughs> going to come bite your head off if it's in contrast with where you stand. There's ways to deal with that too, but not in massive conclusion, yeah. but in the church body. I mean, he says to just, I mean, some things you just got to let go. Right. Just because you're, just because your rhubarb gets all messed up, that doesn't mean that that's something to go pursue. I'm sorry. I've never, I've never thought of my rhubarb getting all flustered, but okay. Well, when you get flustered, your rhubarb has been I, dealt with. So I, I can't imagine being a translator for us. Trying to put what we say sometimes into another language. Some days it's redneck, and some yeah. days it's uh, something else. Anyway, so we uh, got we got to wind up and land this plane. Yeah, well, this all got started about. Uh, well, I can't find it here now. Eighteen, seventeen, eighteen. For yeah, right. for uh, keep keep your eye on those who call dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching you have learned. And that's the, that's really the key. It's not just that they're <laughs> yeah. they're they're doing it a, contrary to the teachings of Scripture. Yeah, and whether they're doing it on purpose or not on purpose, on the, on a personal level, that's kind of one of those things that yeah, you can just kind of. I don't need to tackle that right now because it makes me mad or angry or sad or confused. Go deal with it with the Lord and let Him give you some clarity over it. Yeah, but He doesn't give me clarity. Yeah, He does. It might not be instantaneous. But if he he sometimes he'll put that hook in you, and you may have to deal with it for years right. before it starts coming around. That, that's not going to stop the church growth, right? Getting into that, and he understood that, and he and he yeah. really he finishes this up with verse nineteen. The report of your obedience has reached everyone. I think that's a key yeah, phrase. It is, and and it's not just that they were we were famous. It's not just he's like, look, you're doing a good job. You guys yeah. are doing well. You're, you're swinging the bat hard. You're doing what you need to do. Um, good job. We People have noticed. Take all this stuff that we've talked about. Let it soak. Yep. Pursue your walk. Even when you're wrong, 
and you find out you're wrong, you humble up, you right. keep going, and that's what he's talking about. There's development going on in all this, and everything he laid out from the edicts of the kingdom and how God looks at it to the, okay, now you do this, now you do this, now you do this, and he's going back with this, going, those things are great, but just remember, don't let it stop you from moving we, forward. We, and he ends the book with kind of just saying, hey, here's some people that greet you and they love Timothy and Gaius and these things. He just said, hey, just keep, we, the phrase we like to use is keep stumbling forward. Yeah. Um, there's going to be days and times where you think you're not hitting it and maybe there's going to be truth in the fact that you're not and you're struggling with items or ideas or concepts or just your own behavior. Um, but if you just keep stumbling forward, stumbling towards the kingdom, in the right direction there's days that stumbling turns to walking there's days that walking turns to running and then you know you feel like some days you feel like usain bolt in the kingdom you know you're running and you're beating everybody and then other days you're barely crawling across the line but just keep moving and if you watch paul overall yep i would i would i think he'd probably look at you and tell you you're don't think you're as smart as you think you are <laughs> Now you're the one preaching, and you're preaching to me. But uh, but it's as we as we wrap up Romans, and we talked about it. We'll bring it right back up. Is yes, there are deep theologies in Romans. Yeah. I have talked with so many people that's like I can't get into Revelation, and I and I can't do Romans. It's too heady. It's too whatever. If if that's where you're at, and that's how you feel, uh, that's a good reason to jump into them. Yeah. Um, you may not get it. It may take you a year, it may take you 10 years or, or a lifetime, but if it feels like it's a weight too big to bear, John tells us the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, and it's in there according to second to, to Paul, Paul's letters to Timothy for doctrine, for correction, reproof, and all of those things. It's good to get into. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Just jump in, and if you get stuck, ask. Ask somebody who, who, who's been there before you, just like he was talking about those people that were his mentors. Find somebody to help you through it because there's such deep kingdom truths in this yeah. book about how it works and how it does things. Um, before we go, don't forget, May the 14th at 9 o'clock a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Bridge Fellowship, we'll be doing a, a men's event called Kingdom Vision, and, and we're going to be just talking about how to see the world around us and the things around us, how to make our way on this journey of seeing things in the kingdom as God sees them. And it's going to be a fun time. Um, you don't necessarily have to register, but if you're if you're wanting to come, uh, email us. Sign up. There's a sign up sheet at the church. Uh, sign up on there. We need to count for lunch. That's really all we. Yeah. Care. We just need to know how many hamburgers to make. And so, if you're interested in coming to that, please let us know. And a if, way to communicate with you if we can. Yeah, phone number or email. Um, if you're at a uh, you're not at the Bridge Fellowship and you would like your men's group from your church to come bring them just tell yeah. us how many you're bringing and we'll have hamburgers ready we'd love to have i know there's a couple of churches considering bringing groups uh, to the thing we'd love to see that um on may the 20th and the through the 22nd tim and i'll be at ecclesia uh, community church in brownsville with brother james martinez training their entire uh, church on the uh orthotomeo the how to study the bible curriculum and we're going to be doing that so keep us in your prayers and as always, if you would pray about uh, whether or not the Lord would lead you to, to become a partner with us, um, we do uh, need that regular support. So if you would pray, even if it was $5 a month, to help us to bring uh, this ministry out to people. We are in, I was in, I didn't tell you this, I was in contact yesterday with our app developers. 
that's still moving forward. Yeah. I am hoping by the time we get back to Brownsville in the fall, which we are a second trip down there, to actually have the app ready in Spanish to be able to start distributing down into Mexico that will take this Bible study training out to the pastors. And so if you're interested in that project, send us a, a line. We'll be able to tell you about it. You can go on our website under the Timothy Project. It tells you all about that project. And um, if you'd like to help support that, then we would let you do it. Anything you want to say before we go? No, we're good. All right. We appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. Happy Easter. Happy uh, Resurrection Sunday. I hope you are celebrating it somewhere with a church family and uh, with your family. And today was all about, about the cross, which we do want to focus on. Today he goes in the grave. Today he goes in the grave, but the story doesn't end. Yeah. Sunday's coming, as they say. Y'all have a good weekend. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.